0: You can't see it, of course. But what I'm holding here is the perfect chicken finger from Raising Cane's. They're hand-battered, they're cooked to order, and they're delicious. Perfect, even. But the best way to describe Raising Cane's chicken fingers, it's the sound you make after that first bite. Raising Cane's chicken fingers. One (laughs) love. You can't see it, of course. But what I'm holding here is the perfect chicken finger
1: from Raising Canes. And the best way to describe Raising Cane's chicken fingers is the sound you make after that first bite. Raising Cane's chicken fingers. One love.
2: for listening to
3: Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Steven Jotterand. Joining me as always is Jake Watroba in Minnesota. It is Sunday, March 1st. I finally felt the sun rays after a long and cold winter, Jake. But here we are, Sunday night, live, 8 p.m. as we try to do this year pretty often. Watching Portland and Minnesota. Second half pretty much just got underway. How you feeling?
2: MLS is back. MLS is back. It's an exciting time. Uh, like you said, the snow is melting. The sun is out. And uh, good old uh, American soccer is back on TV. It's uh, started. This is, this is a great time of year. Oh, it's, uh, it's a fun time of year. And boy, did we have a busy weekend.
3: 13 games. We're we'll going to talk a little. We're going to overreact to one game in from from every club in Major League Soccer. So we're going to give you our opinions, our thoughts. None of it's going to make sense because it's it's been one week. But listeners, check out our episode on the wildfires in Australia. It feels – honestly, Jake, it feels forever ago because we got the coronavirus now to worry about and the Australian bushfires have become quite irrelevant. But they're still facing devastation, a lot of devastation. So go check it out. We did a fantastic episode. We had brought on uh, wildfire experts. Lustica, who is organizing Football for Fires, and Aleko Eskandarian, who's going to be participating in that. Check that out. And listeners, we have to make a small official announcement. Armand Kafai has left the show. He now has um, – he's working for FC Dallas. And uh, lastly, on today's episode, like I said, thoughts to opening – weekend match day one plus fc dallas chat with justin nation co-host of the dallas soccer show he's been all over fc dallas he recently interviewed coach lucy gonzalez plus mls has some new selling rules so boy has it been busy and listeners at unc sam soccer pod send in your thoughts at unc sam soccer pod or via email uncle sam soccer podcast at gmail.com and uh Jake, before we get started. Um a lot of news regarding this coronavirus and it just continues to pour in. So listeners, if you're listening to this as a podcast, news has probably significantly changed. But first case in New York death toll over 3,000 American Airlines waves changes Waves change fees for customers purchasing travel until March 16th. Twitter suspends all non-critical business travel and events because of coronavirus. Uh, you have matches in Italy being canceled. News reports around the world about events being shut down over a certain amount of people. Um, postal service employee, one of six testing positive for coronavirus in King County, Washington. Ecuador confirms five new corona cases. Egypt announces second confirmed case of coronavirus. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And how, And listeners, I want to know from you is how concerned are you over coronavirus? At what point are you going to the grocery store and buying excess food to, uh, for, for, your own, for your own good? To make sure you can survive just in case in Japan they canceled school for a month.
2: Lucky? What? Kale school for a month? What? What do you mean? What? Yeah, over it's, coronavirus. How's that lucky? You're trapped inside. Yeah. Whatever. I I trapped myself inside the entire weekend. It was it was fine. Okay, but anyway, I, how, wait, listen, listen. This is my take on. I I can't believe we're talking about coronavirus on this show. Uh, isn't the morality or mortality rate? for the flu higher than coronavirus. Yeah, and uh, Minnesota and United just scored. Well, if you're listening to this tomorrow, you you know the you know you know the you know the score. So, yeah, well, we're doing this live, okay?
3: I don't know. Look, the last thing I want to do, Jake, is put out a bunch of news about coronavirus and how to avoid it and all that. All I'm simply asking you, Jake, is at what point looking at how events are unfolding knowing that cities across the world are being shut down because of this at what point are you going to the grocery store and saying, you know what i'm going to buy some extra canned goods i'm going to buy some extra food and freeze it just in case it comes to my city and they have to shut down the city for an extended period of time
2: uh i don't know i don't know i i uh, i'm not uh i'm not in the Business of, uh, gosh, I don't know, fear mongering, if that's the right word. I, what fear mongering? I just, I just, I just, I don't know. I, the, this coronavirus thing where you gotta stock up for six months worth of food and water. It, (laughs) it, I, I don't know. I, I like to think modern medicine can figure it out before it gets to the point, like, uh, it's the movie Contagion where how many millions of people die. But, uh, yeah, I'm not – I'm at the point where I'm going to Costco and buying up pallet fulls of uh, bottled water and uh, – Okay, I'm not talking about pallets. I'm simply saying, look, there might be a case
3: here wherever you live where the city gets shut down for a weekend. What are you going to do? You have it, Has it not crossed your mind whatsoever
2: or you're just saying whatever, screw this. It's not going to impact me whatsoever? You're asking me if a city is shut down for a weekend, what am I going to do? Yeah. I'm gonna do what I did this weekend, which was uh, I'm just play video games for the entire weekend, okay, which is well, basically good for you, Jake. Video good, games and MLS. Good for
3: you. Because let me tell you one thing. Is every American sports league better have a contingency plan for the coronavirus because what are you gonna do if there's an outbreak of coronavirus and you have sporting events and you have 19,000 people come together, whether it's the NHL ML, MLB is going to start up, so you're going to have opening weekend. You're going to have in cases, forty thousand people. I, I'm just saying, is this is it's a little bit of worrying here. the Olympics have a huge question mark around them? I, I, I'm I'm thinking the European Championships have a better chance of being canceled. The rate at what we're going, just because you people don't know how to control this. You have if you have the European Champions go off, it's just, European Championships going on. It's not listeners. Let me tell you this. It's across Europe. You have cities hosting it. You're going to have mass travel of people from countries across Europe. It's just not one country. This is going to have a prone, if it continues the way it does, it's going to have a huge, profound effect on the sporting industry. Just saying. Have a plan. Pay attention to the news because it changes quite rapidly.
2: Yeah. I, again, uh, all I'm saying is, if you're going to an MLS game next weekend, don't don't reconsider because you might catch the coronavirus. Okay, <laughs> that's the stance I'm taking on this. Okay, this
3: is gonna haunt you big time. Anyway, hey, El Tráfico. It'll it'll haunt
2: me big time when 50 million people die in the U.S. But until that happens, I'm I feel I feel pretty good about myself.
3: Okay, well, El Tráfico. I meant El Clasico happened today. Real Madrid winning two nothing over Barca at the Santiago Bernabéu. Let me ask you, Jake, any hype around this match here in America?
2: El Clasico? Yeah, El Clasico. Well, we had that talk uh, with Joseph Lowry a few weeks ago, about a month ago actually, uh, where we got into that debate about how I said uh, the old firm Darby is better than El Clasico. Okay, I, I'm asking not I'm about. Not the, I'm, not, I'm, not, not I'm not asking
1: you. I'm not going to
3: watch it. I'm not asking you about the Old Firm Derby or the North London Derby. I'm asking you about El Clásico
2: and whether or not it has hype. I'm not hyping No, it doesn't. Who, I mean, it, it, it does not have as much hype as the two derbies you just listed. You can say it's Real Madrid and okay, Barcelona. I don't and care all about the all. other derbies. I just it's want no, to know. It's is- not- no, where, I, I, where, where context, does... providing you with context? That's what I'm giving you right now. It is not rank as high as the old firm from derby. Well, let... No one, first of all, no one has BN sport or whatever stupid channel La Liga is even on. So there's part of the problem.
3: Isn't, isn't La Liga going to uh, ESPN plus? No, that's, that's the Bundesliga.
2: That's Bundesliga. I
3: mean, look, Jake, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm just curious to know because I think El Clasico, the big draw, wasn't necessarily that was Real Madrid versus Barcelona. It was Lionel Messi versus Cristiano Ronaldo.
2: Yeah, and I saw a promo and they're doing Sergio Ramos versus Messi, which I – would. wow, that – uh I get Eden Hazard's out, but – uh Sergio Ramos is not getting me excited to watch. (laughs) Uh, It's not a sexy matchup. No, if you're telling me, hey, Real Madrid's playing, you want to watch Sergio Ramos? No, I'll be okay. I don't need to see him (laughs) break another player's collarbone or dislocate their shoulder or whatever it was that he did to uh, Mo Salah a few years ago in the Champions League final.
3: That's fair. Oh, man. Cristiano Ronaldo was there today. He was in the stands watching. Anyway, listeners, 13 matches... 13 matches, my goodness, over the course of this opening week, and a lot of them going on. Uh, and, and listeners, we're going to have Justin Nation here just on in a few minutes talking about the match against uh, the Philadelphia Union where FC Dallas won 2 nothing. Our goal here over the course of the next several weeks is to bring on a bunch of people who are, are in local markets and... Uh, yeah just get more insights on that on on those clubs and jake i i'm looking at my notes i can't believe i didn't uh failed to include this but champions league reaction LAFC. my goodness what a comeback and then seattle seattle really blows it blows it blows it for the entire
2: league yeah i would i would say so uh losing two olympia on penalties uh, i mean uh, I I think that's inexcusable, especially given the fact that you come back home, you have the advantage uh, with uh, with the away goals there, and you still are unable to put Olympia away on home uh, home turf. And for LAFC, that was just a gutsy performance. I did not think they had it in them to come back down 2-0 against uh, one of the better teams in Liga MX, albeit it was still at home, but I did not think they were going to... You know, put up three goals, let alone shut uh, shut the door down completely on on Lyon, and get uh, get the three nil result at home. So, you know, hat tip to them. I think you owe them an apology for saying they are the biggest chokers ever.
3: <laughs> oh, my apologies, by the way. My apologies, listeners. It's uh, Dustin, not Justin. apparent Apparently, somebody told me I've said that twice. Producer's not happy with me. Uh yeah, I guess I owe an apology to LFC. I don't know. Did I say they were choke artists?
2: Yeah, you said it last week. You keep all you do is uh, they can't win when it matters. They can't win when it matters. Well, all okay, they- fine. They won this game, and, then, and then it, it, it mattered. It, it was it was historic it was imp- comeback. Historic comeback, and the team that everyone sits here and oh, you know, don't never you know never cut out Seattle. They can be dead last on the last day of the season. <laughs> People are like, well, you know, they'll, they'll they'll find a way to make the playoffs. That's fair. And they play a team in Olympia who's not even a Liga MX team, who's not even Saprissa, uh, you know, the the next, you know, echelon of teams in CONCACAF there, down there in Costa Rica, and they they lay an egg at home. Yeah, they did lay an egg and it really blows for
3: for MLS as a whole, all the people who are supporting an MLS side. Anyway, Montreal versus CD Olympia from Honduras that is Tuesday, March 10th. Wednesday, March 11th, NYCFC will be at Red Bulls Arena taking on Tigres from Mexico. Club America versus Atlanta United. Now, that match is also Wednesday, March 11th, and that game got way more interesting now that, sadly, Joseph Martinez uh, is out with an ACL, Uh torn ACL. Thursday, March 11th, you have LAFC versus Cruz Azul. So... Juicy matchups, MLS is in, represented in every match. Uh, Jake, if they, uh, if every MLS team wins here, we will have a guaranteed MLS winner.
2: What you well, uh, well, that would be nice, but I can tell you that's not going to happen. I can tell you Atlanta will not beat America without Joseph, Joseph Martinez. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's not reality. happening. And that's uh, I told you guys this, uh, or I told you this. I uh, it was late last week. Uh, Montreal Impact has the best chance of making a deep run into uh, into the Champions League, given the fact that they play arguably the weakest opponent remaining in the Champions League.
3: I I think now it's LAFC. I think they have the momentum.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, but I, I think there is a very good chance, though, we could be doing this podcast in three weeks and going, well, it's uh, Montreal Impact is the only remaining MLS team Not because too. League Thierry MX... Henry. What they needed to do against MLS. Yeah. Well. Anyway, up next, uh, up next,
3: Dustin, nation of.
2: Joining us now on the sh- on the show is co host of the Dallas Soccer Show. You can follow him on Twitter at D underscore Nash, Nash being spelled N A I S H. It is Dustin Nation. <laughs> Dustin, what is happening, my friend?
0: Not a whole lot. Just, uh, you know, we're covering from a, a good Saturday in Frisco.
3: Yeah, yeah. Got a qu- I don't know if you're following the first segment, but uh, Jake and I got a little in the back and forth regarding the coronavirus. So just, just throwing this out there. And uh, sure. At what point are you concerned about it? At what point are you going to the grocery store <laughs> and buying a little extra canned goods just in case something were to happen?
0: Uh, I mean.
2: Has it crossed your mind? Take at least? a
0: no. <laughs> no. Have you yeah, started? No.
2: Have you started going through the process of building a bunker in your backyard just I'm in not case asking. the I'm not the world's asking. ending? No. Jake, I'm not asking to build a buck uh, a bunker. You're I'm
0: assuming, assuming a... I don't already have a bunker. Yeah, that's
1: true. That's, that's,
0: that's a good point. <laughs> no, no, I just remember the Ebola virus and everybody freaked out about that. And there was there was a, a case just two miles from my house where they shut down a, a, a urgent care clinic, and you know they had somebody at the hospital three miles from the house. Uh, and and then what came of that? Like two people got it, and so um, I'm not super concerned about it. Um, I'm more concerned about the hysteria than I am the actual virus.
2: That's fair. That's fair. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with yeah. it. Yeah. Why? Well, it, it, this just reminds me of Ebola five years ago.
3: Yeah. I, or I just don't swine
2: think. swine flu. No, Jake. <laughs> I, I just don't
3: think it's the same thing. You the the science behind the coronavirus and Ebola it, are are just so you different. don't think
2: it's the same thing because you're older now and you are under you are uh, paying more attention to the news cycle than you were when you were uh, thirteen years old okay that's well. <laughs> that's what I'm saying all right so, let's... so
0: funny story wrapping this back into soccer uh, yeah. a couple of my coworkers were supposed to go on a, a trip to Madrid to meet up with some people to uh, do programming things and um they're hotel was right across the stadium, right right across the street from the stadium where El Clasico was being played, and um, they actually canceled the trip for those guys, and they were all going to go to the game. So, uh, soccer-related, Corona-sads.
3: Yeah, well, you got games in Italy being canceled, you have the the Olympics in Japan with a big question mark, the European Championships, I mean... Uh, If you're MLS You're a sports league You gotta start paying attention to this a little more Because cases now are popping up everywhere And it's, it's it's a little concerning At the very least But let's talk about what happened In Frisco, Texas Saturday evening FC Dallas took on the Union And FC Dallas rolled out to a 2-0 start Um, Dustin, what was your big takeaway from this match?
0: Um there I have a couple takeaways from the match. I don't think I have like one big takeaway. Um other than uh, if I had to pick one, I would say that the the Thiago Santos is is the real deal. Um and he is the answer for FC Dallas's Carlos Grezo problem. Um yeah, he just Excuse me, hang on. I'm also by I'm, I'm you little did you know I'm fighting the coronavirus myself. <laughs> <clears throat> No, coming off of a, a sinus infection earlier in the week. But, um, yeah, no, uh, Santos, super, super laissez-faire. Like, he just – he he's calm and collected and just goes about his business, uh, you know, marshalling the, the midfield, collecting the ball in front of the center backs, um, and and really just – I don't know. He just, just helped control – keep I guess keep the – the danger element down from from philadelphia especially that first half like i think philadelphia didn't get a a shot off until something or a shot on goal off until like the 39th minute or something like that despite having uh more shots than fc dallas in the first half so uh tiago santos is my big takeaway uh for fc dallas
3: yeah jake i know you or tuned tiago he too rather late to this match. He saw Pimple's goal uh, with his mustache. I, uh, <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. an interesting, interesting choice to look According to Apparently, Jake, we were talking before the show, that's apparently in these days. Yeah. The mustache, the pornstache,
2: it's in. It's fine. It's a good look for him. <laughs> I, I so whatever.
0: There were actually three players at FC Dallas in the preseason that had that same mustache, and they were calling each other the Stachio Brothers or the, the Mustachio Bros. Uh, it was, uh, Paxton Pomical uh, Ryan Hollingshead had actually had one as well. And, um, right before he got, re- uh, I guess, and they announced that he, they didn't sign him, but Cal Jennings, uh, the draftee was, was sporting the same stash, but, uh, Hollingshead had, had to shave his, uh, his for family reasons. <laughs> um, and so that leaves Paxton Pomical with the, the lone stash guy.
2: Huh?
3: That's interesting.
2: It- and, and Dustin Pominville came on late uh, in the game, and he had the goal uh, there, right at the end of the match. Uh, did not get the start due to uh, off-season surgery with the, uh, you know, with the, with the hernia there. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you think we will? Uh, when do you think we're going to start seeing him making appearances again in the starting eleven?
0: I think it'll be a couple weeks, unless something happens with another need for him to fill Jesus Ferreira's role. Um Ferreira, you know, kinda held that spot all last season. I don't think there's any rush to pull Palme Call back in. I think that, you know, with the with the sports hernia injuries, you've got to be careful you know, pulling them back in. If you don't I mean we he's already re aggravated it a couple times in the off season. So, you know, a lot of scar tissue there. So you wanna you wanna pull him in Carefully and intentionally And so I would say he probably comes in As one of the earlier subs if possible Against Montreal And then maybe he starts entering into the Equation for starting 11 uh, In week 3 or 4
3: Pomichol Is uh, the question Right around this player um, Is whether When is he going to start to You know start to really Add to his goals and assist and it is was the talk around Paxton this off season really saying this could be a breakout year for him?
0: Um, you know, I I don't know. I think there wasn't a whole lot of talk about Pommicall other than him getting a bright, shiny new contract in the off season. I think most people think that last season was his breakout season, um, and a lot of people think that you know goals and assists are are, are Paxton Pommicall's. Like what he needs, I don't. I don't totally agree with that. I, I think that his, I think his better, you know, helping helping the um, playing a little deeper and, and helping guide the ball between the lines, you know. But I, I, he does have those in his in his bag of tricks. Well, I you, think what
3: good. Well, I would say. I mean, if you just the first reaction to that goal he scored was, oh, it's a messy like goal.
0: Yeah, nice and calm.
3: I mean, it was calm. So, the finish was smooth. The celebration was obviously meant to meant meant a lot to him. I thought, oh, oh, that's 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 something you you, you have seen more and more from Pommacco. But wow, that was that was a moment of brilliance. And I think if he can add if he can add those magical moments, I think Pommacco can can really be a a, a star in this league. I mean, I think oftentimes we look at FC Dallas and, and the conversation, right, Jake, from, from a national perspective is, okay, they're academy, they're going to focus on youth, and then they're going to sell the players, and that's it. Are they really taken seriously as far as contention for, for cups? Do they draw attention on television? That conversation doesn't involve FC Dallas. What involves them is youth development, and that's the big thing with FC Dallas.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think the thing with that Paxton Pomykal is going to be looking for this season, and the thing that's really going to define him, his season, his future, um, if, as far as this twenty twenty season goes, is just the his consistency. Can he continually make a difference throughout the season? Last season, he stuttered a bit in the in the middle of the season. Whenever he started getting the where opponents, were the the playbook was. Hack packs right? I don't know if you've heard that term. Armand is on your was on your show for a little while and he used to talk about that. Um, the the hack a packs thing where the opponent Paxton Pomagol gets the ball, you kick him and he falls down, and that's the playbook. And so the question will be can he can he continually can he learn from that, get better from it? Can he continually improve and be just consistent consistently be a a uh, force of positivity for the team. And if so, then I think, you know, I think all the things you just said about him and his, and his outlook and his future, uh, are, are, are right on. Um, I think if he has trouble with consistency, then, you know, we might have this conversation, the same exact conversation again next year.
2: Dustin, can you talk about, uh, how good Zendenik Andrasik has been for FC Dallas since the, uh, since the second half of last season cobra
0: yeah uh Andrasik is i mean it's it's hard to say hard not to say like to see just look at his numbers and and just and just uh, like figure like feel how important he was to FC Dallas last season and it continues to be this season and it's not just the goal numbers to be honest um i'm i'm thinking of, like one of his most important moments of the night to me was last night whenever I forget I think it was Philly Philadelphia's uh, uh, who was the player? Um, bear with me. Um, Santos Sergio Santos kicked kicked um, Jesse Gonzalez when he had the ball on the ground, and who was the first player back to to I guess you know police and sheriff the situation? It was Dinic Andresik. He, the guy the guy will fight for the team in any way that he has to. And it's kind of infectious in the locker room and it's infectious amongst the fan base. And um, it's really hard not to like Zinek Andrzejczyk. And I I, I, I think the question for him will be as it was coming into the season is can, can he sustain the, the goal scoring numbers that he did last season? And, you know, you look at, at his, his numbers and, a lot of them came against teams that weren't necessarily great, um, but, you know, they're goals. You, goals are goals. And and to John Madden-type quote, uh, you can't win games without scoring goals. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Andresic's super important to FC Dallas, and he will be. I, we don't know what it's going to look like down in, in June whenever Frank O'Hara comes in, but... Uh, or I guess that would be July, and June is when Andrzejczyk might be going to the Euros. So, um, I, I, I mean, I don't see FC Dallas doing super well without Cobra doing well.
3: So what's really interesting is he's uh, 18 games played in his MLS career, eight goals, two assists. Those, those are great numbers. But what I find fascinating about this team is they pushed Seattle last year in the playoffs, Right. Yes. They pushed them, pushed them, pushed them. Now, what the conversation around this team heading into this season was virtually non-existent. So are they riding off that momentum they got in that devastating loss against Seattle? And does Luchi Gonzalez now have a plan? Do the players buy in? And is this going to be a team that is going to be very difficult to get a result from when traveling the Frisco? And I think... I think they FC Dallas can make decent enough noise in the West where they're not hovering for the final playoffs position, but more of more in that four or five seed area.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I, I talked to Lucci a couple of weeks ago and um, he's, he's really big on family. Right. And the whole team is, is, is on board with that. Everyone's bought in. They are, they're willing to fight for each other. And that, that is what they took out of that Seattle match um, is that they didn't give up. They, they fought to the end. They gave every last thing that they had and the team is bought in there. They know the holes that they had. They they're very happy with the players they bought in, brought in um, Lucci will go on and on about the, the options that, that they have with Santos in, in the, in the, uh, in a mix and um, you know, Pecault brings or Pico brings balance to Bar- Barrios, and I, I think that that you know it's a more complete team than it was last year. And so, any any t- any talk about their where they finish, you know, I, I think they've got to they've got to improve. They have to. Um, if you if they, I mean, just looking at the roster, looking at the way that they performed on. Uh, Saturday against Philadelphia. It's just, it's a, it's a, a slightly different vibe this season from last season. Last season felt very scrappy. This season feels very put together, very yeah. uh, intentional about everything. Yeah, I think that's um,
3: that is that's it, definitely the case. I think the team doesn't feel. Th- there were a lot more question marks going into last season than there is this season, and I think that's just because you know Lucci has had uh, a longer tenure with the club. The players feel more comfortable in the system. They went out and bought players that they they thought the reco- are 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 fitting the system. So it's it it's going to be an interesting team, Jake. And as we are watching Minnesota United uh, score in a matter of minutes here to get a three-one lead in Portland, uh, how how do you feel about this FC
2: Dallas team? I, I think this FC Dallas team, it's a, it's a, it's a playoff team, right? This has to be a playoff team. Uh, they have a lot of a lot of good players like Paxton Pomicall and Jesus Ferreira and Sandanik Andrasik and uh, Reggie Cannon. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's just the, it's just the youth. It's just the inexperiences, it, you know, it's playing in the Western conference. Can they get over, uh, can they get past Seattle or LAFC or, uh, you know, everyone seems to think that LA Galaxy is going to be uh, uh, competing for the MLS, MLS Cup. I don't necessarily think so. I don't. I'm not going to pencil them in already and say they're going to win it like others have. But this team is this team is really, really good. And if if you're going to put a gun to my head and say, what's the ceiling for this team, or what's the expectations or prediction, like best case scenario for this team they're competing for the West. I think they, I think they can get to a Western conference finals with, with with the the talent they have. I don't know, Dustin, do you agree? I guess, I guess we it's, it's match day one. We're doing some overreactions. We've already announced that. Yeah. What is your over, (laughs) what, what is you, you know, what is, what is your prediction for this team here before we let you go?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I really think it depends upon, uh, how the other teams do. I think that, you know, if, if everyone else has a comparable season to last season, um, then we FC Dallas moves up a a place or two, maybe get fifth, fourth range. I think on our podcast, we, we had everything from fourth to seventh. So, um, well, I guess no, nobody picks sixth, but, uh, so that's probably where they'll end up. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think that, that it really, really depends upon how, how the other teams do. But, uh, you know, I think I think they're sitting middle of the pack in, in the West when all is said and done.
2: Well, Dustin, thanks again for joining us tonight. Uh, please tell our listeners where we, can, uh, where we can find the podcast or where we can follow you on Twitter. Sure, yeah. Uh,
0: uh, you, in your podcast apps, just search Dallas Soccer Show. Um, online on Twitter, we're at Dallas Soccer Show. And um, online at Dallas Soccer Show dot com.
2: So, well, there you have it. Dustin, thank you. uh, Yeah, appreciate it.
0: Anytime, gentlemen.
3: Big thank you to Dustin once again. If you want some good FC Dallas conversation, chat, insight, check out the Total Dallas. God, what am I? The Dallas Soccer Show. Why can't I get that right? Too many tabs open. Dallas Soccer Show. Seriously, check it out, listeners. Go give them a follow. Uh, all about promoting local soccer and local media. Right. Uh, Jake, Jake. Let let's finally get our overreaction to Matrix. Act. Minnesota United. Um, uh, here is is putting a little bit of a show against Portland in Portland. Very sick. Huh? You think you're gonna win? A reaction.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna win the cup. Three-one in Portland. Week one overreactions. No, it's, it's uh. They didn't look very good the first uh, 25 minutes of the game, I thought. But uh, it appears they have really turned things around here recently. I think they scored about two goals in about five minutes. Yeah, right. But, you know, I think out of all the
3: games, this is probably the most most impressive win from anybody.
2: Okay, you know what? I said I wouldn't do this. I'm going to do it because I don't want to be perceived as a homer. I think Minnesota United is one of the three best teams okay, in the Western that, Conference. That's fair. That's fair. But this is an impressive win in Portland. <laughs> Portland is not an easy
3: place to play. Uh, like we I already told know, you. we already know, listeners. Thirteen matches on the MLS slate. Okay, three road winners: Colorado, Atlanta, and Sporting KC. Okay, and then you're probably going to add Minnesota to that list.
2: Winning on the road is not very common. No, we said, what did I say? You, you take a draw any time on the road. That's that's a win if you're the road team, a draw. Right, and, right. Uh, three but this a bonus.
3: If the result holds, you have to sit there and go, this is pretty damn impressive for Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I think you do too. I also think you have to keep in mind that it's also right. They one.
3: one. But still, it's three points. You take the three points and you run with it a little momentum into your, you, you, into your, the well, beginning right. part especially, of the season.
2: Especially considering that Portland is going to be there at the end, uh, you know, teams that you think that either should be in the Western Conference playoffs or, or, or fighting for a playoff spot come the, uh, come the end of the season. So yeah, this is a, this is a big, big result. This isn't like going into FC Cincinnati and getting three points there. I mean, I, I think uh, any team, any playoff team should be able to do that. I think you would agree too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh good good uh good result for Minnesota. You take the three points, start the win uh, the season off with the win and it's a good things. So meanwhile, Nashville make their MLS debut and lose to Atlanta two to one. Uh Joseph Martinez out with an ACL, which is I mean just awful news for the league. He is obviously a start to watch. Love watching him play. Um it's gonna be a big miss for Atlanta. Obviously, they have the CONCACAF Champions League to worry about. Now they, they lose their star striker. So, uh, Frank DeBoer has his work cut out for him. But, Jake, Nashville, overreaction, packed house, country-style uh, national anthem. You got a lot of music. They're really playing up the the Nashville vibe there. What do you think of it?
2: It... um. The country national anthem doesn't surprise me. Obviously, you hated it. I know. Uh, I'm a big fan of C-list country singers. I'm just, uh, just throwing it out there. Well, it, I, I'm a fan of. I don't know. National anthem doesn't belong to one person. It belongs to the people. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't want to hear C-list uh, singers sing the national anthem. But um, the Lizzie Hale thing, the the guitar riff, is that? I don't know if you can answer this question for me. Is that going to be a reoccurring thing, whether it's with her or some other? Musician, are we going to be having uh, guitar players coming in there and playing a riff before the kickoff? Is that, do you I know? Yes. I, am not too sure. It, it felt very force uh, It felt very Portland Timbers. very Timber Joey, like almost in a way. And I get it. They, they, they cut the log after every goal and after every victory or whatever. Uh, but that's having somebody back there shredding. I'm going to, Use a uh, finger quotes when I say that. Uh, some some riff on the guitar before the kickoff. It it, it I don't know. It felt kind of gimmicky, but then again, I guess Atlanta does something similar with the Golden Spike, where they they have somebody whether it's Ric Flair or Waka Flocka or Arthur Blank uh, come and hammer the uh, Golden Spike into the the railroad right there. Um, I don't know. Keep MLS weird. I guess is my, my takeaway from it. You know, I guess it's unique. It's uh, unique. Yeah. I mean, I thought. You know, I, I personally thought it was a little over the top.
3: Like, I read an article on uh, MLSsoccer.com or whichever network it was and praising Nashville's opening game and, and all the fandom and the 60,000 or whatever it was, 55,000 plus that were there. The atmosphere was crazy. And I'm like, look, it's the first game. I don't know. I, 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 I have a strange sus- suspicion that... Nashville will not carry the same weight like an Atlanta or an LAFC did in their first season.
2: No, because watch watch their next home game when there's 19,000 people there in the lower bulls not even sold out. Well, up.
3: watch when FC Dallas go visit them. How many people are going to show up?
1: Keep sure, in mind everybody's like, going to show
3: what? up big time for Chicharito and Carlos Vela, but that's every other city. Okay? So it's whether or not Nashville could, you know, continue, sustain this trajectory on the field. Their play was was moments of good good moments and there were bad moments. I think Inter Miami also had the same problem. Where it was sloppy and awful at times versus LAFC, and then they had moments where they really they they fought LAFC and went into the best team from last season over the course of the regular season, but ultimately didn't win the cup. They, they fought hard Nashville. I think fought hard, but it's, it's match day one. So it's kind of hard to make any long-term prediction with these, especially with Nashville and inter Miami, one being at home, the other being on the road playing two top teams.
2: No, I I think you're right, Steven. Although I think inter Miami is probably set up to be better uh, in, in the long run than Nashville is, at least for this season. Uh, I was I was impressed, I guess, if you will, with Nashville. I thought that Atlanta was going to win by multiple goals. And the fact that they only won 2-1, I mean, Nashville didn't feel like they were overmatched. I mean, at times they, they looked like they were, but it wasn't for long durations of the match where you're like, oh, God, this well, is Well, they're teetering. defensive,
3: right? So they're going to be organized... They're going to have smart play, and it showed. There were were moments, frankly speaking, that Atlanta looked like the lesser team. And it wasn't just moments. It was for good stretches of the match. And the big takeaway from Atlanta, minus the Joseph Martinez injury, was Atlanta can kind of grind out some results, and that's a good thing. Remember the big talk last year at the beginning of the season, and particularly the results under Frank DeBoer. I mean, how many people asked to, for him to get sacked? How many people were calling for Frank DeBoer's head?
2: A lot. I think a, a, a couple hosts on this show last year were even uh, had their hands up in the air, like, "What are, what are they doing?" Right? Because you watched them, you watch them last year. Under Frank de and then you go the a year before that under Tata Martino, and it's like, wow, this you know under Tata, this team is fun, they're exciting, they must they, watch, they they're must watch, and then under de it's boring, pragmatic. They just get a goal, and they're going to sit back and be defensive, and it's not attractive. It's and, and remember, remember the the players, the players, out, yeah, you uh, had a, a LGP, uh. uh he wasn't very happy. About Martinez the, uh, wasn't
3: happy at times.
2: No, nope, nope. there were multiple pity him Pitty, and pity yep. went quite yep. a bit last year. I'm like, I'm, I'm actually surprised pity Martinez is still <laughs> on Atlanta United. To be honest with you, I thought he would have been gone. Uh, but, I thought he was gone. But a, yeah, the but summer. Summer.
3: look, they have Concacaf Champions League to play now. Uh, can pity and Barco step up? Can especially pity? Can can he live up to the billing? They spent big on him. Can he not, necess- not necessarily replicate Martinez, but can he fill in some of that shoe and take the burden off the other whoever 10 guys on the pitches? Because filling Joseph Martinez's shoe is going to be very difficult. And um, it's an ACL. So Mar- Martinez, we- we've seen crazier thing in in sports, but it's most likely he's done for the season.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's going to be, I mean, not only for CONCACAF Champions League, but for MLS too, it's MLS season is what is Atlanta going to do now? They don't, they, they don't have Joseph Martinez. I mean, he, that's, that's what 30 goals, 30 plus goals he scored last year. They got to replace that. Where, who's, who's replacing all those goals on yeah. that roster? You said pity needs to, needs to step up. You say Barco needs to step up. Uh, Marco might not might not even be on a team come the summertime when the when the transfer window in Europe opens up in in July, he might not even be on a team. He might get sold. He might be in England or Spain or Italy or wherever. So, who's who's scoring the goals for Atlanta? I I, I almost wonder if Atlanta is going to start playing like Nashville does in a way where, well, yeah, we're going to be. I mean, Atlanta's already pretty defensive, but it, I almost wonder if they're going to be even more defensive, where they're just going to sit back and absorb pressure and t- try to hit teams on the counter it's a now.
3: Huge, it's, a, it's a huge loss and there's really no silver lining but if there is one, right, you would say, okay, it's early, early on the season so they have time to figure out a system that they could be successful in and under Frank DeBoer.
2: Well, you'd hope, right? You
3: would hope. Alright, moving on. Uh, Thierry Henry continues to have a good week after moving on in the CONCACAF Champions League. They beat Bruce Arena and the refs 2-1 to one in Montreal. Uh, this is – look, I don't know what Montreal's ceiling is or whether or not they can even make the playoffs. But this is good momentum for Terry Henry, right? He's coming over from Europe and having some disastrous spells with Monaco. Uh, so this is – this is a good. This is a good thing. If you're Major League Soccer, you want Terry Henry to be somewhat successful. You want Montreal to be successful. You need you need a team to rival Toro- uh, Toronto and Canada. Obviously, you have the the Canadian Premier League. But yeah, I, I think it wasn't some sort of massive statement. But Terry Henry clearly has a vision, and uh, it's looking good for him. It's looking it's looking upward.
2: Gets uh, survives and advances in the Concacaf Champions League uh, on short rest against the Revs, a team that everybody perceives to be a playoff team, a, a, a team uh, that should be vying for at least a home playoff game in the Eastern Conference. Uh, come October, uh, you go and get a result against them on short rest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, what more can you ask for, Terry Henry? You know, you, I think uh, so far so good. If you're, uh, you know, if you're a, a Montreal Impact fan. Listeners, we're not going to get to every
3: game. Just, uh, just a heads up. Uh, meanwhile, in San Jose, they rescue a point at home versus Toronto with a spectacular banger from Oswaldo Alinas. Is that how you pronounce it, Jake? Correct me now.
2: Al- uh, uh, Alanis? Alanus. Oh, there you
3: go. That's that's uh, Uncle Sam's pronunciation of last names we butchered. It's Alainas. Alainas. What a spectacular goal it was. But there, uh, yeah, equalizer, late. Uh, like I said, Paxton and his mustache score. It was a messy-like goal. I, I, I got to come back to it. It was, it was beautiful. And then uh, Inter-Miami, LAFC, you had some big superstars there. Gordon Ramsay, Dave Beckham. But uh, Vela with a beautiful chip to beat Robles to give um, Inter-Miami a debut loss in Major League Soccer. And the big takeaway, Jake, the big takeaway I got from MLS this weekend was, well, it looks like home field still has a huge impact in this league. And if you're a team, the primary focus should really be about winning the games at home. What you do on the road is important. I don't want to dismiss it. But if you take care of what's going on at home, you have a really good opportunity come August, begin late July after the All-Star Game, to put yourself in a place for playoffs, and then you fight it out for seeding. That's the big takeaway I got. There were only four road winners in 13 games. Colorado, Atlanta, Sporting KC, and Minnesota. Colorado played D.C. United. Atlanta played Nashville. Sporting KC played Vancouver. Minnesota playing Portland. That's my big takeaway.
2: There, there you have it. I, I, and I agree with you. I think, uh, like like we said, get ties on the road if you can. It ties as uh, good as a win on the road as far as I'm concerned. If you get a win, uh, bonus two points. Bonus two points for you. Bonus two points. I, I, I think unless you're, unless you're LASC, I don't think you expect to win on the road consistently. So that's, that's just my my take on this. Um. Anyway, let us, let us know what you thought was your biggest takeaway from this week in the call? We're going to make this our show today at Podcast. What was your biggest takeaway from Match 1 in the last week? We'd we'll love to hear it uh, like on Twitter at UncleSamSoccerPod or email at Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts and uh, your, your questions and concerns. Uh, coming up next, we are going to be talking about the new... MLS rules as it pertains to selling players overseas stay tuned
3: Listeners, Ed Onk Sam Soccer Pod, give us your thoughts. What's your big overreaction from MLSA, MLS match day one? Jake thinks Minnesota United is going to go on and win MLS Cup. That's his big...
2: Vamos, vamos United. There, there yeah, you have my, it. That's my hot take. We pick. spoke...
3: Yeah, yeah, that's your... You have a very hot... We spoke with Dustin Nation co-host of the Dallas Soccer Show, All Things FC Dallas. Big shout-out, big thank you to him. Uh, yeah, think FC Dallas is going to be a fun team to watch and a team to watch and a team a lot of pl- clubs do not want to play. We saw it last year in the playoffs. They're a scrappy underdog. They play as a team, as, as we've heard multiple times from past co host or past co host are Michael now Dustin about... The the I got your back mentality at Dallas, and that 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 has a huge that carries weight, especially as the team becomes uh, more and more familiar with each other. But finally, Jake here in the final minute, some some very fascinating news came out this last week, and Sam Skaysko had uh, quite a bit to say about this.
2: Yeah, so MLS in typical MLS like fashion announced its roster rules on Friday evening, which uh, that was the night before MLS opening weekend. So what, you know, what league announces roster changes and rule changes, uh, you know, 12 hours, 16 hours before their season is about to uh, begin. Uh, But most of the changes related to the new uh, CBA that was recently agreed upon by the league and the players, Really nothing you know significant as it relates to the CBA, but there were a few uh, bits of information that were included in these changes. <clears throat> um, and according to Sam Staseko, they were uh, rather big. Uh, Sam is quoted here as saying in his article, most significantly, the league decreased the cut of transfer fees it will take from clubs when they sell non-homegrown players to foreign clubs. Previously... The league took 25% of all transfer fees for non-homegrown players. Moving forward, the league will only take 5% of those fees, shifting from a 75-25 split to a 95-5 split is significant. It'll put more money in the pockets of individual MLS clubs, which should see increase in their willingness to sell players. That is from Sam Stasekul of The Athletics. So, Stephen, this is a pretty big deal, I think, uh, as it relates to just player movement in the league. And question for you, do you think decreasing the cut the league takes from transfers will actually incentivize clubs to sell more? For example, would Red Bulls be more willing to move uh, an Aaron Long with a 20% increase in the cut they take from the sale.
3: Maybe. It's, it's hard to really know whether or not clubs are going to do it. I guess it's good. It, it shows the leagues want to give clubs more of ownership over what they do and what type of business they handle. But I don't know if clubs are sitting there going like, oh, I got to sell now all of a sudden. I think clubs are still going, well, what's the price? Well, I'm i think only going to sell if the price is right.
2: Well, I think if the league is if, – if, if in, the, in, in the previous 75-25 split, I think clubs knew that, well, we're not getting 25% of this cut, so the transfer fee needs to be 25% more than probably what the market value is, if you will. Does that make sense in order yeah. for them to make a I, profit? I, yeah, sure. I, I guess it just – I need to see it. How
3: often do we see players being actually sold in MLS overseas? It not is not many, but I, I think not many. I think, uh... So now the question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to see? Are we going to really see an increase? I think, I think MLS is very hard to coach because a, the United States is freaking massive. So depth is very important to this, to each squad. I, I just, I look, clubs make more money. Ownership is going to be, be very happy, but I I doubt owners are going to go up to their GMs and go like, hey, you know what you should start doing is selling a lot more of our players.
2: I don't think you're going to see that, but I think you're going to see a team who are more willing to move players. I mean, I think I think uh, a player we need to be watching is the guy, the, the kid we just talked about 20 minutes ago with, uh, with Dustin Nation, is Paxton Pomichol. I know sure. he just signed a new deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, Jake,
3: I think what you're going to see – it's not necessarily clubs willing to sell but you you might see clubs when they receive offers more likely to say yes and i think that there's a difference there cuz i don't think i don't think clubs are sit there go okay i'm open for business let's put a massive open sign in front of in front of our stadium and say come buy our players no i don't i think player clubs are still rather hesitant on that i think what they are going to do is hey an offer came in for player x Oh, okay, now I'm a little bit more intrigued by it than before because, remember, the, the, the fiasco with Aaron Long was Red Bulls wanted somewhat of an absurd number for for the guy and it ultimately never worked out and they were never able to make any money off the player.
2: No, you, I mean, you're right. Like That's what I'm saying is the, is the added 20% bump, is that going to sway teams more now to maybe say yes more often than they are to say no? Like I said, there is that in the previous model, there was that 25% kick that the league was getting that teams had to uh, had had to equate for. But now they, it's 5%; it's a much smaller sum of 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 money when you're dealing with millions of dollars here. You know, uh, one GM who remained anonymous was quoted in the State School article as saying, "It's a really important next step in the evolution of the league." Yeah, It really promotes and incentivizes moving players outside the league. It's simple, but that's a big thing. I think it's a really intelligent move, and I think most clubs would agree that the league is doing the right thing here. Yep, and yep, yep. We I, all think, I think you and I are agree. Yeah, we're all in agreement that this is probably the the, the right thing to do because—
3: No, this is the right thing. Not probably. I
2: think this is genuinely the right thing to do. I think you will— <laughs> Well, the, 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 the real right thing to do would be teams get 100% of the sale. Yeah,
3: well, we're not
2: there yet. Baby steps.
3: Anyway, uh, final two minutes here. We had a listener question come in. Uh, Doug McIntyre, friend of the show. Atlanta United's Miles Robertsons will likely miss Olympic qualifying, and he definitely missed Tokyo 2020 if coronavirus doesn't impact all and kill us all if the U23 U.S. men's national team makes it because of the new club policy. Atlanta United will no longer release first team players for international duty outside a FIFA mandated window, confirmed by a club sport uh spokesman apparently. Jake, uh before we get to the listener question, smart move from the
2: club? No. How is this how how is this a smart move for the club? You mean no, to tell this me is, this is
3: good business from the You club? mean
2: to tell me your worthless match in the middle of June, or or okay, wait, okay, Olympic, okay, so that's not a signature event. So you mean to tell me, as Atlanta United, a team that's on that's constantly in the upper echelon of MLS and in the Eastern Conference, you mean to tell me that your mid-August match against lowly Orlando City is more important than a kid getting a chance to to play in the Olympics? No, 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 no. I, Or against FC Dallas, or against FC. The Cincinnati? Olympic thing I mean, is
3: one thing. What I'm really talking about is the fact that the club's like, we're not going to release our players outside of mandated FIFA windows. I think that's smart. I think that's a good move. I don't think so. I think that's
2: a great way of upsetting lose. a player. I think this, no. I think... The clubs lose because MLS's calendar is a lot of whack. That's what exactly, the clubs Exactly,
3: but that's the problem. That, that's a different issue. Anyway, the question is, so tell me how MLS is helping the U.S. men's national team. To me, this is not a good thing. And uh, this is a question responding to what Atlanta United is. And ultimately, I'm sit here and say, is MLS helping the U.S. men's national team? I'm not too sure. I think it's growing popularity of the sport here. But as uh, apparently as you think, Jake, this is just nonsense, and this is not going to you're going to piss players off because you're not going to give them opportunity to go out and play meaningless friendlies. Uh, or or go to this January training camp with Greg Berhalter and then play Costa Rica at the end of the month?
2: Uh, I think U.S. soccer is helping MLS more than MLS is helping U.S. soccer. You can read into that, however, which you will. But, uh, All right. Well, there you go.
3: On that tinfoil Ted. On that note, uh, Listeners, at on Sam Soccer Pod, we want to hear your thoughts, your overreaction to match day one in MLS. Minnesota United is going to win the cup, to Jake. I'm simply saying, and it's really not a big newsflash, but, hey, home field matters. Focus on that if you're a club, especially if you're a club that is not necessarily all too certain about how you are going to perform. There you go. You had, ons- you had 13 games. Yeah. Was rather boring. Some of the games were a lot more entertaining than others. Meanwhile, four road winners. Listeners, we'll be back midweek talking more MLS, CONCACAF Champions League. Hopefully, we'll have a special guest. And meanwhile, please wash your hands and just be vigilant. It's even during the height of flu season, I just came back from it. Jake,
2: any last thoughts? Wash your hands. Yes, but you are not coronavirus is not going to kill you. It's not come out and get you. Okay, they ain't the boogeyman yet. So not yet. And we'll, pay attention to the
3: news. Make sure there's a blue check mark before you go and run running off with conspir, uh, conspiracies on on the interwebs. Fake news travels quite quickly. Anyway, until next time.
1: can't see it, of course. But what I'm holding here is the
0: perfect chicken finger from Raising Cane's. And the best way to describe Raising Cane's Chicken
1: Fingers is the sound you make after that first bite. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love.